Hello and welcome to the Film Ireland podcast. I'm Gemma Cray and I'm chatting with award-winning director Pat Collins about his new film, Henry Glassy Fieldwork. So thanks so much for chatting with us, Pat. You're very welcome, Julia. Henry Glassy Fieldwork is a portrait of the American folklorist and ethnologist Henry Glassy, who's now in his 70s. And it's, it's a look back over his work, his interests, his thoughts. It's, it's a very... Um, introspective and, and meditative piece it's lovely can you describe exactly what a folklorist is i, I suppose it's, it's it's actually a big a big enough question really because it's it's um i suppose what, what they're looking at is is what we call i suppose folk traditions or tradition within within a culture and it's um i suppose it's it's the exploration of of those traditions within within a culture is what is what folklorists do. So it's it is, uh, but it, it covers uh, a wide range of of, of subjects. And uh, I suppose people think tend to think that um, folklore is in the past, but it's it's I suppose folklore is very much about the present as well because it's 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 how the past endures in the present. And um, I think that's it's. Uh, yeah, but people people tend to kind of um, pigeonhole it as being something that it's about the traditions that have died out, but it's actually as much about the traditions that are still alive and that are informing today. So I mean, it it, it could be any it could it could be anything in terms of um, the rituals that we have in this day and age could be could be studied by folklorists. And uh, but it's it in a, an Irish context, it tends to be about kind of, you know there's been a kind of a tradition of it being about uh, the west coast of ireland i suppose about about the language irish language about music about uh, folk beliefs and um, and inner cities as well i suppose but it's but generally it can be about every every aspect of of, of contemporary life could be studied by a folklorist and I suppose henry has been doing that for the past 50 years yeah, he started off in the south in America studying vernacular architecture and then then came to Ireland and, and uh, I suppose that's that's where um, I suppose he, that's why he's known in Ireland really is because of the work that he did in Ireland back in the 70s. And actually that's a very interesting thing so would it be and actually, especially in a, in a, a very globalized culture at the moment where would it be celebrating indigenous cultures as well to that are like you know habits yeah interpretation artistic interpretations a lot of the time in indigenous cultures like those local yeah i mean i suppose it does tend to concentrate on the on the on the local and um i suppose it it tends to look at what again in an irish context i suppose it would look at at at, uh, like an area like west cork or an area like the you know the South Parish in Cork City, or or the North Side in Cork City, or um, it could look at a kind of a mountainous area. It, could, it usually kind of tends to kind of be a, around um, specific areas, I suppose, or, and people then you know study it on, on a national scale. But it's it's but once once you once you go into it, it's very difficult to to um, I suppose the, a national Irish folklore is, is quite different because I think Ireland is so various from region to region that it's uh, it's very hard to kind of generalize about Ireland and 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 probably most places 
But but Henry Henry would have would have when he when he went to, to uh, South Fermanagh, he was told that there wasn't much folklore there, and I think that's why he was kind of so determined to um, to, to to go to South Fermanagh is because that if, if if everyone was was looking away from South Fermanagh, he kind of felt like that he it was his responsibility to to, to explore it and to and to study it and, uh, and and to live there, and it's the same with the. You know, with the Appalachian Mountains in the south in, in America, he, he studied architecture, but he also studied music. Or he also started recording uh, a lot of the, you know the folk singers that were that were uh, living in, in up the mountains in, in, in the Appalachian Mountains and uh, around Virginia and North Carolina. And uh, so I think his his initial interest was architecture, and his, sec- his second interest in was actually the uh, was music. But then once he became interested in the architecture and the music, he, he became interested in everything and, and how those people lived their lives. So he, he kind of went into pottery, went into, uh, you know, what, I suppose what he would say is that he, he studies what's, what each area considers to be uh, excellent. I mean, it's kind of, um, you know, and I suppose, again, in an Irish context, you could have won village that's known for its fiddle music or it's um, you could have another village known for its singing and another f- village might be known for its, its its football you know it's kind of um, so it's kind of looking I suppose what he was doing was trying to look at each particular area and trying to see what was the art form in that area and and to study it and, and uh, stand with the people and study what they what they were, were doing you know so yeah. But yeah, the arts are very central to it, I think, all right, you know, and very central to what his his work. There's a, a great meta quality to this because in a huge way with your work and the abstract figures that you choose to celebrate and arts that you choose to celebrate through your work, that you're also a folklorist, examining a folklorist in many ways, you are documenting Mm. you know these niche areas yeah. and of of art and, and creativity and then yeah. observing so it's it's you observing him observing other people which is interesting yeah i mean i suppose uh, like folklore is, is a social social science but it's kind of um i'd normally run in the opposite direction to anything to do with science in some ways <laughs> i am um, yeah, so I'm kind of much. I, I, I'm. I suppose I'm more kind of impressionistic. I suppose to a certain extent, I'm. 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 Um, I'm looking at. at uh, I'm, I suppose I was trying to make the film from almost from Henry's standpoint. I thought that it would be interesting to kind of try to make the film as if as if I was Henry to a certain extent. Um, that uh, I wanted to kind of get him. I wanted to. to, to for the, for the person watching the film to feel the way that Henry must feel when he's watching artists working and to kind of start thinking about the way they're um, using their hands and what they're making and, and, and the experience that they're bringing to, to, the, to their art form. And I'm, I suppose I'm kind of, I'm trying to do that as well. I mean, I'm trying to, um, I would say, I suppose that the, the films for me are kind of political to a certain extent um, because it's, you know, I'm, try- I'm trying to show a kind of um, a view or a standpoint uh, in relation to art, I suppose, in relation to the, the, the local, in relation to, to the uh, idea of a local, the greatness of a kind of a local artist, as opposed to somebody who is selling 100 million records or 
you know downloads every, every week or something but i i'm i suppose i'm i'm more local in that sense and i'm influenced by people who kind of who are like that including henry glassy so I'm, I'm trying to henry kind of i agree with henry in terms of his viewpoint of the world the way he looks at the world and I, i'm trying to kind of make the film very close to his viewpoint because it, it also is is is, uh, is the one i share but I, I just I don't think I'm I, I, I could never say that I'm a kind of a, I'm a, kind of like a part time folklorist maybe or something. But I go I go a certain amount of the journey there. But I'm not methodical in the same way that say someone like Henry would be. I'm not um, you know uh, I suppose I, I was kind of in communication with Henry for the best part of ten years. But it, but it wouldn't have been um, you know it was maybe eighteen month process between shooting and editing and and uh, so, it, it is it is methodical in terms of filmmaking, but it's I wouldn't say that 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 um, that it's kind of the same as as what a folklorist does. Yeah. I think I'm I'm much more going for kind of atmosphere and mood as well. And uh, but it, but initially it's a, a political thing I think for me. And you definitely let us inhibit and aren't afraid to kind of spend time in these in these in these worlds as well, which is it's a very kind of light touch when you're editing and again you do get that sense of, of, of being drawn into these kind of rhythmic visuals that you know like it's it's something different yeah. but it, it gives you an experience of the world instead of something that's highly selected and, and highly kind of stylized you 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 aren't afraid to let us spend time getting to know that space a bit more and and can you just tell me a little bit about your own background as a filmmaker and what would your influences be? Um, I'm not sure. Um, depends on how how far back you go. I mean, in terms of this documentary, I feel like it's kind of pretty old fashioned in some ways. Observational, definitely. In the sense that it's it's that it's actually there was a series when I was young called Hens, which was a 36 part uh, half hour series that it looked at different um, Irish uh, crafts. And you know everything from somebody who's a blacksmith to making saddles to uh, stonemasons, and and um, it was a, it was a beautiful series. It was made by David Shaw Smith, and uh, it was for RTE. And it's um, I'd kind of watched that series as kind of therapy almost now. But um, the uh, so that, that's kind of I mean that old fashioned kind of style kind of I felt was kind of suited to the this documentary on, on Henry Glassy. And I, I don't kind of think of it, I, I can I don't think of it in terms of my influences in terms of documentary. I don't, I don't really, um, I'm not conscious of something like an influence in relation to the Henry Glassy documentary, apart from that series, Hens. I think, you know, there's, I suppose I, I wouldn't tend to, you know, you get a lot of filmmakers now and they, they write documentaries and that to me, is, unless it's a kind of an essay type film, I can't see the logic in that, or I can't see it. I wouldn't have any interest in that. And uh, so it's very much kind of going out into the field and kind of and, and making the film with with a, with a structure and, and a, in mind and an idea in mind, but not in terms of. Uh, I wouldn't have a. I wouldn't. I, I think about it in terms of locations and 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 the people rather than trying to kind of create a narrative. And uh, I kind of think. That, I remember I was having difficulty with a feature film there a few years ago, and just kind of in terms of uh, the structure of it, and uh, I was kind of maybe under 
I was kind of under some pressure to kind of think of it as a three-act structure. And I was talking to Arthur O'Brien, who, who sadly passed away there a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he, he, may, he might, be, might have been, let's say, 15 years older than me. But I, I was saying about the three-act structure. And he said, oh, my God, like he said, sure, look at the state of the world. He said, isn't it just too, it's too late for all that? Like, and I, I would have, I, I, it really chimed with me in a way because I kind of thought, actually, it, it is kind of too late for all that kind of idea of making, of having one life and, and you're trying to have one kind of experience of making films and you're trying to make films like, like everybody else does. It just doesn't seem to make any sense at all. And um, I think the best bet is, is that you kind of, you know, I, I had a particular upbringing, I had a particular, you know, um, uh, kind of youth or whatever, like the same way that everybody else does. And I don't, the only thing I have to offer is, is the way I see the world. And there's very little point in me trying to make films like, um, I suppose that's what I'm trying to work towards anyway, is trying to make films the way I see the world. And sometimes you're obviously influenced by a lot of other people. And I would have influences, I suppose, you know, and there's certain filmmakers like Abbas Kuristami or, or, or uh, you know, I wouldn't say they're influences, but that they're, they are kind of touchstones in terms of like people like Carl Dreyer or kind of um, the different uh, filmmakers like that who are kind of, I, I really, kind of, I'm, I'm very much drawn to, and uh, I'm not sure that they're influences, but that they're, um, they, they, when I'm when I'm watching their films, it kind of, it, it means a lot to me, I suppose, you know, and uh, I suppose I'm trying, I'm, work, I'm working towards that myself in terms of my own, uh, the way that I see the world, I'm trying to kind of translate that onto, into, into, onto film, and uh, sometimes you kind of succeed, sometimes you don't, but uh, it, it's, it's what I'm working towards anyway. And this was something that was funded by Screen Ireland. And again, you traveled, you did a good bit of traveling with it and, and it looks stunning. How do you, how do you, how do you pitch documentary that has no narrative to get, to get those funding? Or, I mean, obviously you've a good longstanding career that you can go, okay, well, look, I've proven myself here, here and here. Trust yeah. me. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I would have a structure, I suppose. I mean, I, I, it got funded by first by the Arts Council with a, the open call scheme that they had. And they gave 50% of the funding. And um, so that was it was easier to approach Screen Ireland than when I already had funding from the Arts Council. But the Arts Council, um, I suppose, saw, saw because it was a, it was very much a kind of an arts, uh, a documentary about the arts. Uh, and they could see the value in it. And, and in the sense that, you know, Henry's work, you know, I, I'd, obviously in a proposal, I'd outline his, his, his work and some of, the, some of his ideas and his, uh, his philosophical outlook on life and in art and all that. And then, I'd, I mean, I, we would have had it arranged that we were going to spend two weeks in Brazil and, you know, a week in North Carolina and a week in Fermanagh. So we, we would have the kind of structure of it laid out like that, but we wouldn't we wouldn't necessarily know what's going to be the opening of the documentary or we wouldn't know how we're going to make it chronologically or are we going to and all of that most of the time i'd leave it i'd leave it until the edit and um yeah i think you kind of learn to uh you know if you kind of I suppose they, they, there's a saying i think is that you kind of you uh you, you you love what you what you have rather than always trying to you know to try to kind of seek out kind of what you want 
you know that you like if you're you have to kind of give up an element of control you you put you you uh create the architecture for the for the documentary in terms of the location in terms of the people and then you and then you see what happens and uh but you know it's, it's kind of just even basic kind of stuff of i suppose not you know of not trying to get people to say exactly what you want them to say you know that you're, you're you're not trying to control too much you're not trying to get people to repeat what they say and uh, put the answer in the question all those kind of tricks that you're supposed to do i mean most documentary makers i know wouldn't, wouldn't don't do that kind of thing you know and um so it's it, it i would have a, i would have a structure and usually i have a script i mean i suppose my ideal scenario for any drama would be give me a location with with, with some people and and the budget <laughs> and i prefer to make the film up you know on the spot but it's but it's um are using improvisation and things like that, but but you know the, the reality of it is that you you need to go through the the different stages of of development and script writing and but I think for documentary having the idea of writing a documentary I just don't even understand it um, I can't I can't see the logic in it at all but I know some people it's, it seems to be more more people seem to be doing it now than they used to and I'm not sure what the I'm not sure that the quality of the documentaries has increased I'm not sure. Of course. And you were saying that you had your weeks filming. So you said it was 18 months in total? Yeah, well, you know, from 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 once I first wrote, wrote a letter, wrote him a letter to kind of to kind of, I suppose, to start a correspondence with him. It was it was 10 years and we wrote back and forward to each other. He didn't he doesn't use email and, and he uh, doesn't have a mobile phone and things like that. So um I suppose we were kind of writing letters back and forth for the first few years, and then um, then we I met him in Dublin in 2016 and asked him, you know, just if if I could make a documentary on him, and and he was open to the idea, but he wasn't hugely enthusiastic about it. I don't. He was kind of a little bit indifferent about whether a documentary was going to be made or not, because and I think that's that's good. I think in a way because you'd be worried about somebody who really wanted a documentary made about them. I think that's the you know that's um, that'd be kind of a warning, <laughs> warning bells for me. I think if somebody really wanted a film made on themselves, um, but it's it's. it's I think that uh, might be the quote of the interview. That's a good one. You gotta you gotta watch out for people that are too famous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's 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 kind of true because you you don't you don't want somebody who's kind of um, trying to use you to kind of promote themselves too much. You know. Um, and uh, especially if you're trying to get to something that's a little bit, um, if you're trying to get to the truth of things, I suppose, you know, that um, there has to be kind of a little bit of a resistance there, I think. And that and that's usually fairly healthy. And so Henry Henry was a little like that. I mean, he was very helpful and it, it ended up being a real collaboration. And, um, you know, to the point where you're actually, you know, I showed him rough cuts and, and got his feedback on things, you know. So it's kind of, it's 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 not an expose and it's not a kind of um, I, I you know I much prefer that kind of element of collaboration and um, I mean maybe I, maybe I didn't when I was younger but I'm much more open to it now when, as I'm older I think it's kind of much more much healthier way of working I think and um, and again you you only kind of you only make well I I mean for myself anyway I I would only make documentaries about people that I really respect. And you know, and whose work I really love, you know, because I think it's very difficult to make documentaries or make good works 
about people or about people's work if you don't love it. I think that must be a very um, that must be very difficult. I think for for anyone to try to, to try to try to make a documentary about something that they're feeling kind of a bit ambivalent about. I think I, I have to kind of really respect the person I'm making the film about and. Um, so it kind of it, it kind of helps then when 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 you've got somebody like Henry who's got you know such a vast experience and vast experience of dealing with you know thousands of artists uh, you know all through his life or hundreds at least and and um, it'd be foolish kind of not to kind of listen to him and I think in terms of what what his contribution could be you know he seems like a real interesting character as well just to know I'm just I'm picturing you trying to show him the rough cut. Like sending him a letter, arranging to to have a phone call on a landline for a specific time, and then getting yeah. to a computer to show him, like wow, like and like in this kind of day and age, obviously it's a, the, it takes like a really dedicated person and a different type of brain to really stay offline. Um, yeah, I mean, but you know, he's the, he's kind of the most connected person I've ever met. You know, he's. Uh, I suppose it's it's it's. Uh, I've never met anyone who's as connected as him, but he's just connected in a different way. You know, his uh, his his experience of 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 different cultures of of humanity, I suppose, and a human a human nature. I think he's 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 the kind of guy you'd you, you'd want to ask general questions to about kind of you know for the answers, <laughs> things that have been bothering you all your life. You know, you kind of tend to ask him. You know, in, even in terms of kind of contemporary politics, like he, he got rid of his, his television in 1968 and he's never had a television in his house since that. And um, as you say, he's not connected, but he, but he still knows every single thing that's going on. And I think, um, you know, that it's, uh, I'd like to be able to do that myself, but I just, I don't have the, the willpower. <laughs> oh, no, definitely. Even picturing leaving my phone at home and leaving the house is even an unusual thing to do yeah. and it's terrible I did that once just to do it and you like you can feel it your brain is like it changes the way that your brain thinks and works so I yeah. think there's, there's there's something kind of very beautiful about going no I'm not going to I'm not going to kind of buy into all this because it really it shortens your attention span it changes the way that you perceive work and art you're like oh I'll yeah. give me the next hit of dopamine this is this is too slow or whatever it's just and I think in this day and age there's a lot to be said for that and there's even a lot to be said for documenting the work of people in that intricate way that he does because you know again globalization is changing the way that art is valued yeah but uh, yeah I mean it's it's I, Henry doesn't really necessarily kind of you know I don't think he judges too much or he preaches too much but I think uh, I suppose it's very kind of you know there's a there's a big world out there and and and, and um, I, I think in, in in the west let's say I mean it's a very I think we've got a very narrow view of things in lots of ways and we don't pay attention to the way the vast majority of the world live live their life and I think you know that I think with 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 Henry I think in terms of Art, I think, in, in the West, to a certain extent, we're very, we've got a very narrow view of, about what is art or what constitutes art. And um, I suppose I, I could categorically say that that I've never met anybody who hasn't had an appreciation for art. And you know that if 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 you if you broaden the understanding of art, and you know what person doesn't have some appreciation for music 
or what person doesn't have an appreciation for if they hear a person singing that they can have a kind of that it might move them or it might they, they might like the way the person sings you know and it, it doesn't we've, we, it, and almost like in the west it's almost like it's been narrowed down to being kind of you know like it has to be in in a frame or it has to be in a, a canvas in an art gallery i mean but that's it's such that's such a narrow definition of it there's a whole big world Hmm? Or have that three act structure that has to fit that. Three act structure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, it's it's so confining, you know, that it's uh, it's almost kind of anti-creative to a certain extent, and uh, and you do kind of get a sense that it's kind of it is too late to have that kind of narrow definition. I think the best things are nearly always going on at a local level, and um, you know, it's 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 it's. Uh, you know, there's a kind of let's let's say there's a, a singer in a, in, a, in a pub who's from a in a, in a small inner city area of Dublin or Cork, and the and the and the, the you know all the all the people in the pub let's say they want to hear a certain person sing. Now, a, a person could come from outside that area and would be would listen to the person singing, and they'd say, "Just why does everybody want to listen to her? Because she's not a, she's not a great singer." But there might be a whole load of reasons why everybody wants it could be something to do with her you know that she lost her husband two years previous and she hasn't sang and now it means that she's on the mend you know she's feeling better about things that she's sung so does it it's it's it mightn't be necessarily technically great but there's a whole reason a whole there could be a whole load of reasons why that person is a really popular singer or something and um, it might be a bad example it might be a bad example but it's, um, I think there's, I think that's the kind of way I think in, in terms of art, I think Henry, I think would, would say that, 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 you know, that sport is kind of one of the few places now where people can actually, you know, ap appreciate kind of beauty to a certain extent. You might get a, a sports person who is, who's graceful, who's, you know, the way they run is kind of graceful and, and they've got style and they've got, and, and everybody can appreciate that. And, I think that art has been taken away a little bit from the ordinary person and it's been put into a kind of a rarefied uh, place like art galleries and all that. And it's, and it's like people know who, who, like if you're not into installations or you're not into kind of um, art galleries, then you're, you're, you're uh, you know, you're not interested in art, but that's, it's kind of nonsense really. Because if, if you take music and, and singing and, and, and even, I suppose Henry would take it further again and he, he'd say that, you know, a meal prepared with love, or or uh, you know, a, a piece of furniture, or whatever is 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 can be art, and I think it's a much more it's a much healthier way of looking at it, and um, I think it's much it makes artists out of the majority of people, rather than it being just this narrow band of of um, elitist, you know, elitist, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. and it is it is I think it com probably comes across in the documentary a little bit in terms of. You know, the, the, the women in Turkey who were weaving those rugs, um, you know, some of the best, some of the greatest works of art in the world come from people like that, you know, and yet it's seen as a craft as opposed to art. And somebody kind of, you know, paints a few colours on a canvas and it's art. And I think that, I think that is, I think Henry would say that it's class biased. And I think that's true. Gender, I think, uh, gender bias as well. If you look at, um, like, types of artwork yeah. like that that are considered to be in the female domain classically are are gendered like like 
like weaving, knitting. Yeah. They're all seen as, as this, um, yeah, like as, as, as women's work. So they're not given the gravitas and you could, you know, do something incredibly beautiful and intricate. And like that, it's a craft. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it is true. It's probably, it is, it's class bias and it's gender bias, I suppose, you know, it's, it's, um, it, 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 it's, it, it makes no sense really that, uh, that something like those uh, works of art are kind of seen as being, are, are seen as craft. I mean, I think there's probably a division between crafts and arts, but I mean, I know myself, I mean, some of the best things I've seen have been considered crafts. And I suppose some of the worst things that I've seen have been considered art, you know, and um, but it's not, it's not that I'm trying to kind of negate kind of modern art or anything like that. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, we're all, you know, we're all influenced by modern art and modern art elements of it are, are, are um, you know, I suppose it's, it's, it, but I think modern art comes out of, out, out of tradition as well, I think, and uh, is influenced by tradition. But there's kind of a, there's a kind of a sense that, you know, that as if modern art came out of nowhere, it, it was built on very strong foundations. The difficulty now is kind of, comes, is, is kind of figuring out what, what, what comes, uh, after modernism, I suppose, in terms of postmodernism, but it's kind of it's very hard for people to kind of access that, and it's very uh, and and it, it just becomes then more kind of elitist, I think, because people genuinely don't know how to relate to a lot of these things, you know. Yeah. And, uh, so, but I think it is. I, I think it is. I think it is uh, gender biased as well. I, I definitely think that. But I, I, I would I would hope that's changing. I'd imagine, you know. Yeah, I think I think that's it. The first thing is people being aware of those sort of unconscious biases, and then and then addressing it. I just want to go. So you mentioned again that was that was uh, eighteen months from kind of nailing that funding or writing the first treatment to the the final section of the edit process. Yeah, I mean, I suppose. I mean, it might be. Yeah, I mean, I actually can't. It, it was finished actually May last year, and. Uh, it, it had its premiere in September in, in Toronto. So that was, um, but it, we, and we we had filmed in Brazil, May, 2018. So it's, um, I, I think it's, uh, we would have been in pre-production, I suppose, of early 2018. And so it, it, it nearly took, by the time it kind of premiered, it was nearly it was over 18 months, I'd say, you know, and, um, but uh, we would have been developing other stuff at the same time, but. It, and uh, we, sh we, sh we shot in, say, in, in Brazil in May, we shot in North Carolina in, in June. And then we didn't shoot in Ireland until the following March. So it was a, it was a long production process, but we weren't, we weren't working on it continuously. But we, we kind of broke up the edit into three different stages, or two different stages anyway. And, and did you uh, edit as you went, in a sense? Did you? Yeah, we, we shot in Brazil, and then we edited what we shot in Brazil. And... Uh, and then when, so when we went to North Carolina, we had a pretty good sense of what, how Brazil was shaping up. And um, we kind of, uh, yeah, so it kind of influenced what we did then after that. And then we, we edited the North Carolina section and we put them, and we got access to archive and we edited the kind of the Turkish section and then we shot in Ireland and then we edited the Irish section. And we actually edited the style, the, the shape of the film is more or less kind of chronological and how we shot it. It's, it goes from Brazil to North Carolina to Ireland, and that's that's how we shot it. So it kind of uh, it seemed to be very organic, as they say. 
And I'm always interested in how things shift and change as they get developed. So when you were kind of chatting with uh, Henry in the very beginning and kind of coming up with your ideas about where you'd follow him to, did it change much in that final edit from what your idea was in the beginning? I don't think so. Not in terms of the, <clears throat> not in terms of the structure. I don't think. Um, you know, maybe I, I didn't. I don't think I had the structure worked out in, in the proposal. But I suppose the if you if you read the original proposal and you saw the finished film, you'd say that they're very very close, or at least the spirit of it is very close. Anyway, and uh, I suppose that would be true of most of the works, even though you're. Even with, with, with drama, I'd still be continuously shooting new scenes that aren't scripted when you're shooting. And, um, and you're sometimes getting characters on the spot to kind of to act that you hadn't necessarily planned on including. But, and, and, and just seeing if it were something, something, some energy is kind of released by that. And uh, it either works or it doesn't. And you can either include it in the edit or not. And... Um, but it's good to have those kind of options, and I think when you're in when you're in each location, I think you have to be very alive to what's happening around you. I mean, sometimes that's the trouble with drama as well is that you're kind of if everyone's just filming the script, you know, there's a kind of sense, oh, okay, we got that, we got that, we got that, and that scene's done, that scene's done, and you and you haven't kind of looked up and looked around you to see what else is going on at the same time. So it's always nice to have a bit of flexibility tied into the kind of the schedule so that you can. You can work later one day, or work earlier another day, or you can you can you have time to try out things that aren't scripted or aren't already in your head. And I think I, I mean I'm not sure how people do kind of storyboards and all that kind of thing. I mean it's, I don't ever work like that. I, I much prefer to work in a real location with um, and 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 use the location that you're thinking to uh, you know spark all the ideas you know and. Um, so it's it's I mean it's it's different for everybody. Some people need the control, and I, I'm trying. I myself I'm trying to get away from that. I, I try to do other another style, really, kind of where it's not that I'm kind of blasé or kind of. Uh, it's just to see what each I suppose is is to kind of milk the kind of potential of each location, uh, rather than just trying to to kind of get a scene. You know that's kind of doesn't. Again, I think you you're, um, you can waste a lot of um, good energy by just kind of um, only going out with a very set idea of what you want to do. I think you, you, it's much better to be alive in the moment and and um, and improvise if you have to or whatever. You know, it's kind of you know, or even in even in terms of if you're for me, I don't really, I hardly work on on lists of of questions anymore. Because I mean, obviously, when I did it, when I started off, I did, and I did something, and I did a list of questions, and I would walk by those like, that list of questions. But now I kind of I would do research and all that, but I kind of prefer to kind of have a conversation with somebody and see where that leads, rather than trying to shape the, the structure of the interview. Um, now, if I was doing something for prime time, I, it, it would be a different approach. But the kind of let's say creative documentaries that, that I'm. If you're working in kind of creative documentary, then you're, you're better off trying to be creative <laughs> other than trying to do do things that are very, you know, completely structured, I think. And like that you would have Sorry. done um, working for a broadcast, what would be the differences there and how you'd approach a subject? 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still, I still don't know the answer to that, actually. I mean, in the sense that I'm still in the, in the middle of th those kind of questions of, of uh, like, I'm not sure that Henry Glassie is going to get broadcast, let's say, in, in Ireland. I just think it's, I think it's 110 minutes. I wouldn't have any great faith that 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 uh, a broadcaster would would uh, will fund it, will 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 screen it unless it's put out at twelve o'clock at night or something. And oh, I uh, meant a commissioned broadcast piece because you yeah. I mean, I, I do think that you yeah. you know if if somebody commissions you to make a documentary, like if I, if if I was commissioned to make a documentary for half nine on a Monday night. I, I would kind of, I would definitely take that into consideration in terms of the kind of the the, the 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 audience that are going to be watching it, and if it's completely funded by the broadcaster, then I think I do probably have a duty to, if I'm going to take the money, I have a duty to kind of try to maybe push things as much as I can, but also kind of, um, you know, it's it, I, I would be probably less likely to experiment, I suppose. Um, and it would have to be a very good reason. Like, I, I mean, you know, I, I would want to kind of reach. It might be for a documentary that I that I want to, for it to reach an, an audience or a, a mainstream audience. Like, if, especially if it was political. And if I want to reach, you know, like there was a documentary I made called "What We Leave in Our Wake," and um, that was back in two thousand and ten. And it was a political film, and it it was broadcast, say, ten o'clock on a RT one. And it was like two or three weeks before the election. So that was kind of ideal for me. It was like some of it was, was, was pushing what's normally on, would be normally on television. But it was still, there was enough kind of commentators talking and there was enough interesting political stuff in it for it to, for it to get broadcast at that time. And, um, and that for me is kind of an ideal scenario is that you're, 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 not, you're still staying true to your style, I suppose, and your, the way you see the world. But that you are kind of, you're not... You know, I'm not like I suppose I would kind of make films that are slightly slower or kind of more meditative, let's say. But if I if I may, if if somebody's funding me to make a film at half nine I, 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 on a on a Monday night, I, I I approach it differently. I think, and I think you're you're um, I, I it's kind of, but I I don't really have a problem with that. I, I either have a choice to either do that or actually not take the money in the first place and and go away. Uh, like there's a there's an awful lot to be said for making a film for a TV audience. I mean, you can you can have screenings in the Irish Film Institute and and the Lighthouse Cinema for six months, and you're not going to reach the same audience that you would on one single screening on RTE. And I think it's uh, it's I think I think there should be you know just kind of say something that uh, about the way documentaries are funded in Ireland. The idea that that um, but documentaries, you know, kind of say that Screen Ireland fund that they need to be, you know, I, I can understand that they're they need to be funded kind of for festivals and for cinema releases. But actually, it's like some of the best documentaries I've ever seen have been on television, and I, sometimes I find it kind of frustrating that um, you know you have to make a feature documentary when some sometimes you watch feature documentaries and you think actually that would have been better as a fifty-two minute. Uh, 52 minute film, you know, and, uh, or even if it's, uh, you know, that could be said about my work as well. <laughs> Somebody else could say that. But I, th I think that, uh, I think it's a shame that, you know, if, 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 if I think, you know, that Screen Ireland and say RTE 
you know, they should be kind of making, you know, high impact kind of documentaries that are that are going out at at a, at a prime time audience, and you know that's that's. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for it, for reaching 200,000 people at one sitting. I mean, that's very, very powerful. And I, I can't understand why, um, you know, say somebody like Screen Ireland will fund TV drama, but they won't fund documentaries that are made for television, even though that the best documentaries are, are made for television, I think. You know. And that line is definitely blurring. If you look at a video on demand now, like if the Netflix, all the streaming services, Apple Plus, if you look at it, that line is really blurring where, you know, it's not created to sit in a specific space. Yeah. It's its own thing. And, and like that as well, like now if you're commissioning episodes of things for Netflix, you could have, and it's totally acceptable to have one episode that's 30 minutes, one episode that's 45. And, yeah. you know, anything in between that it just, it depends on the structure of the story. So I wonder, are things shifting that way? I mean, I'd, 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 like, I'd like to think so in, in, this, in the sense that sometimes documentaries, like a, a, a lovely duration for a documentary is, is actually 40 minutes, especially if it's kind of a profile of a writer or a profile of an artist or a profile of a person. And I think for like 40 minutes is something that's, you can be much more cinematic and you can be as cinematic as you like in a 40 minute documentary as you can in a feature documentary. I don't understand the focus on, on, on features. So like an awful lot of documentaries are getting made that are longer than they should be just because they're, they have to be feature documentaries. And, um, you know, but something like, say, The Social Dilemma, which is kind of on Netflix. I mean, there's nothing necessarily cinematic about that in the sense of that, that, that that's like a, like a good hour-long television program. But it's, but it's not, you know, that's, that's, that's not a kind of, it's a feature documentary, but it's um, nothing necessarily cinematic about it. But, you know, then I saw a documentary recently by Manix Flynn, uh, Land Without God. Oh, that's beautiful. Like that, yeah, it was on television and that was kind of, I just thought it was so powerful. And, and uh, while you're saying that, we'll give ourselves a quick plug there. Uh, we have a podcast with him. So we'll put the link in the bio as well, if anyone is interested in okay. him chat about his film. But thank you. Sorry, continue. Yeah. It is very cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. It was. I thought in relation to the way sound was used and music was used, and and uh, that whole kind of performance element of it. And that that was on. I saw it on. I didn't see it in the cinema. I saw it on television. And for me personally, I wouldn't care whether it ever screened in a cinema. The, the place. It's 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 so much better that that is going out on a prime time TV, uh, rather than it being necessarily confined to. Uh, to, to a cinema screen. Now, look, I, I'm all for cinemas. I, I, I love going to the cinema and I love watching films on a big screen and there's certain films that are absolutely made for the big screen. And it's kind of where I want the screen first nearly all the time. But I just think that it's uh, television. Everybody kind of derides television as in the sense of, of, of that, it, like, you know, that people are watching stuff online now and all that. That is true, but it's still, I think people would un underestimate television at their pearl, I think, you know, in terms of, of having an impact. And um, I thought for me, like Land Without God on television was, was a, a powerful thing in itself. And, um, and, I, and I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's uh, I'd like to see more of that, I suppose, you know. Just, can you tell me a little bit, has Glassy seen it? Henry, has he, has he enjoyed yeah. He actually went. He went to Toronto actually with uh, with Praveena Shockley, his wife, and and uh, 
and with Tina O'Reilly, the producer. So uh, he's seen it and he's, he's, he's done a few Q and A's. And um, so he's, he's very much kind of, uh, I suppose he, he, he likes it himself, I suppose. You know, he, he feels that his work is well represented and that the artists that he stu studies or the, the artists that he works with are kind of represented well as well. So he's kind of, I suppose, you know, it, it's, it is a kind of a, a recognition of the work that he's done over the last 50 years. And, um, you know, he's, he's well, he's, he's humble, but he's, you know, he, but he, but he also knows that it's kind of, um, you know, that I think that it's, it's made out of love, I suppose, for the work that he's done and for himself. And I suppose, uh, you know, so I, I think he's, uh, he's appreciative of it, I suppose, you know, and um, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, I, I, I kind of, it's amazing, you know, in some ways that it's kind of got funded. I mean, when, when you, when you imagine it, I mean, I just heard him talking in the radio 10 years ago on RT1 talking with Vincent Woods. And I did immediately kind of get a kind of, uh, a kind of, I wanted to, I knew that I kind of, that he made such an impact that it was going to stay with me. But so it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a great kind of pleasure, I suppose, to be able to say that the, the initial spark that happened 10 years ago kind of um, came to fruition, you know, just you have to, you have to kind of stay on the bus with the idea, you know, and keep going until the, until the end, you know, it's kind of, you can't, can't be given up. There's a lot to be said first in getting things across the line, especially documentaries that can be a passion project, that there's something, and sometimes it can be the right time for something as well. Exactly, yeah, but you, but you, but you never, if you think it's too much the right time for it, it's probably too late. You know, if you're doing something that's going to take a couple of years to make, by the time, you know, I've never really had film screen at a documentary festival like Amsterdam now or... or um, you know, because they always go on what's 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 kind of it's almost like what's trending this year. You know, and uh, but if you're trying to anticipate what the trends are, you're already too late. You have to kind of, you know, the, the festival directors are, are plucking themes, and you know they see what's out there already, and and they're kind of putting together themes. And um, I think you you can't you can't be trying to second guess kind of what what festivals want, or um, I think. You can strike it lucky, or you can strike it, you know, or you can be unlucky, you know. But if, if you're making a subject on something to do with the Middle East, the next thing there's a lot of documentaries that year about the Middle East, you can be very unlucky, and you say, well, you know, no, last year was the was the year that we did, you know, we did a theme of documentaries about Israel or something, you know, and then you could you, you could be coming out, you know, with your, with your documentary about Israel the next year. It's, you can have to be very unlucky. But I think the main thing is is not think about any of that actually, and, and just do what you love, you know. And uh, then you you're not going to go too far wrong if you're working from that kind of starting point. And um, that's the, I think that's the main thing really. Trying to anticipate curves and trends and all that is it's it's a different business. I think it's more to do with advertising than than documentary making. Yeah, man, that's a that's a nice place to to leave it. We'll do what what you love. So thank you yeah. so much, so much for chatting with us. <laughs> thank you. Thanks very much for the opportunity. Mm -hmm.